This episode of Swiss Pats is brought to you by runwithcostanza.com. Hey Susie, are you a runner? Hmm, not really. I lose my breath super quick and sometimes it even hurts. Well, did you know you can learn to do it and make it effortless and pain-free? Costanza Lizdero is a senior chi running instructor in Basel. Chi running? What is that? Chi running merges the energy flow of Tai Chi with the anatomy and physics to teach you how to reduce both energy waste and impact with the floor so you can run lighter on your feet and with more joy. Interesting. I always thought running was just putting a pair of shoes on and getting out the door, but it's clearly more than that. Yeah, so check runwithcostanza.com and register for her next workshop or sign up for a private lesson or join her running group in Oberville. And if you're not ready to run just yet, chi walking might be right for you. The workshops are not physically strenuous and good for beginners and experienced runners. Staying active is good for both your body and your mind, so I'm going to check out runwithcostanza.com. Swiss Pats is also brought to you by Berkeley Books. Switzerland has almost as many winter drinks as it has snow-covered mountains. Even though the Swiss might not have a reputation for drinking a lot, a rich drinking tradition continues throughout the land in the heart of Europe. After all, one of the world's most famous spirits, absinthe, originated in French-speaking Switzerland. To celebrate Swiss drinks, Burgley Books introduces the book Drink Like the Swiss by Swiss-Canadian food blogger Andre Pilot. Order your signed copy on their website now, while stocks last. www.burgley.ch Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Swiss Pats, coming to you live from our fancy studio in Basel that is surrounded by my children's toys. No, no, it's very professional. <laughs> it is, but uh, feel free if you want to grab some Legos or, uh, or some baby dolls and, and play while I chat. Absolutely, thank you. Coming up on today's episode, we have Birgit Hilsbos from Hilsbos Dog Training. She's going to talk to us about why the dogs in Switzerland are so quiet and well-behaved. And yes. I think she has a large part in that role. And we'll find out whether Don asks the very important question, who let the dogs out? Yes. So stay tuned for that. Um, and... As always, you could find us on our social media channels. Uh, you either came to us through Apple Podcasts or our website, SwissPats.com, or even uh, uh, Instagram or Facebook and all that good stuff. So thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Yes. So I, uh, before we get to our first story, I feel like, do you ever feel like more and more you're becoming your parents? Um, I have to tread carefully. Um Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I've always been fascinated. My dad doesn't use an alarm clock. Like, Is it because he's like you when he wakes up at the crack of dawn? Like, <laughs> literally one bird sings and he's, he jumps up and, and opens the window and sings to that bird. Yes. But it's like he just, if he knows he has to get up for work early, he just does. reason I bring that up is because I'm, we're recording this uh, on Tuesday morning. And on Monday night, there's, as you know, during, well, you might not know, but Monday night football, right? Right, of course. So there was a there was a big game, two really good teams playing. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, it starts at 2.15 Switzerland time. So you're going to be up at I, 2.14. I would like to get up and, and watch it. I didn't set an alarm, but 2.15, bing, I was up. Without setting an alarm. 
But why didn't you set an alarm? What what possessed you to, to run the risk? Because I figured... You're like, oh, just be like my dad and I'll wake up. Yeah. And I figured, you know, it would maybe... If I, if I slept in a little bit longer, then maybe I catch the second half. Like, I didn't necessarily mean to wake up, need to wake up for the first quarter, but I did because I told myself the game started at 2.15 and I was up at 2.15. There, there's not many things that you'd get uh, get me out of bed at 2.15 for. Yeah. Um, fire. Okay. Um, donuts. That's okay. it. What if your donuts were on fire in the kitchen? Would you get up? Oh, a hot donut. Oh my gosh. I would be, I would stay, I would get up at any time of the, the morning for that. Krispy Kreme? No, not necessarily. No. But, you know, a hot cinnamon donut. Mm. Yep. That sounds good. Well, anyway, speaking of sports. Well, you're speaking of sports. Well, I'm speaking of sports. I'm yes. talking about donuts over here. <laughs> Whatever gets you through me talking about sports. Yeah. Uh, we're. Switzerland is home to uh, to Roger Federer, who is no way. I know, right? Isn't he from like Basel or something? He is. So he's very well. Everybody loves him here, and for a lot of good reasons. He's done a lot of good for uh, the sport of tennis itself, and and for and for Basel. But did he did he win something once or a few times? Yeah, he's oh. won a couple times. Yeah, no big deal. In um, golf, right? Yeah. The other kind of golf. Oh. So he's uh, he obviously in, in, in tennis. But there was a uh, – recently there was a French tennis player who – let's just say his best years are behind him. So he peaked in the world number 25 in 2014. Anyway, he went on a French radio station, and he kind of took Roger Federer to task about some diva qualities. Ooh, some there's some uh, some drama going on. Yeah, in the tennis world. So uh, the headline is is pretty good. It says when Roger Federer says jump, the tennis world says how high and can we pay you? So the first story this this tennis player told was a, a tournament director once agreed to resurface the courts per Federer's wishes just so he would start playing the tournament again. Now, it sounds like an exaggeration, but the reality is even stranger. It's not that he would play there, but that he would win. And Paris Masters director Jean-Fensois Cajole laughingly admitted in an interview earlier this month when he openly calls Federer his favorite player. Uh, basically, he said he went to Austria to meet with a company that per- produced a specific resin that Federer suggested that made the courts. So Federer didn't play in this tournament for three years because he didn't like the courts. And they resurfaced it, and then Federer went back to play and won it five years in a row. Okay, this sounds like... Okay, it sounds like a lot of things. Firstly, it sounds like this resin company has given Federer a kickback of some description. Possibly, yeah. And it also sounds like a conspiracy. There's like... What is this special resin that's making him win five times, or is he just that good? I don't know. He is just that good. Now, I, I'm sure there's a lot of jealousy from these other players because Roger Federer kicked their butts a lot, right? Right. But so you have like the court thing, which is interesting, but you also have this idea of preferred times. So at the Australian Open, which I'm sure you know of, it, uh, it gets warm. 
Uh, just a little. Right. Yeah, they have to like close it down in England because it rains. I think in Australia they have to close it down because if they go out, they will melt. Yeah. Yeah. So the Australian Open wants to have the best players playing as long as they can, right, for higher TV ratings and higher interest and whatever. So basically what they have have done is they've just adjusted the times to where basically Federer always plays in the evening, not under the sun. Well, to be fair, they should all play in the evening. They should play in the evening. They should start in the, you know, when the sun starts to set and it's nice and cool. In the 14 matches that Federer's played in Melbourne, where the Australian... Melbourne. Sorry. Say it Mel- again. Melbourne? Yeah, it's better. It's pronounced Melbourne. It's spelled Melbourne. What do you, do you say? How do you say Jason Bourne? Bourne. Bourne. That's Jane. No. Anyway, that city in Australia where the Australian Open is. Did I say Australia right? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, he's played 14 matches, and there's only two that he played under the sun. You compare that with this guy named Rafael Nadal, who's another really good player, and he's played six matches in the day. So Federer gets the special treatment. I think a little bit of from this this French tennis player. He's just a little butt hurt because he gets his butt kicked. But he, I mean, there's obviously some truth in this. Like, why? Why is? I think that there there's a lot of divas in in tennis. Sure. I, Same with golf. There's a lot of divas. I mean, yeah. It's not a sport that I am that into at all. <laughs> um. I watched some of it on TV. I've watched some of it. I watched, I went to Wimbledon one year. And, um, oh, there's an English guy, young guy. I can't even remember his name now. He's really famous. Andy um, Murray? Yeah, Andy Murray. And he throws a tantrum. Yeah, they do that. Uh, like, yeah. like, um, like, and he limps around the court. I mean, I don't know if I'm going back years when I saw him do this. He's limping around the court like, oh, I'm injured. I'm hurt. And it's all just a big act. And it was, you know, he wasn't injured. He wasn't hurt. He's just limping around and he's moaning. His face looks like thunder. And it's like, like, toughen up. Yeah, they, they do do that. I mean. They do do that. I think that the women also are divas, but they don't, they do it very differently. I think the women, like, are vocal and are like, this is bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you're wrong. Um, the men but, are passive aggressive, but the men like the, the the faces and the limping and the crying about it, and then the going to the papers and talking about it. Like I don't know, it's, it seems like a bit of a baby sport for for you know they act like babies. I mean, sure, and and I agree with that. I also like tennis is not stupid. They know Federer is a money maker, and oh, can you imagine all of the. I mean, you would just have to if if he endorsed your product. I mean, yeah, that's sure, crazy. Of course, that's why they do it. Of course, it's all and, about money, right? And I think these other guys are just a little jealous of that. So you're gonna have some some of these qualities where you're like, I want to play in this kind of surface, or you're gonna get preferred. I don't know. They don't think they call them tea times, but match times, right? Because you're a big star, but. That's just that's just how it is. Like, no, not everybody's treated the same in sports, and that's that's just how it is. The stars are treated differently. Yeah, um, but um, 
I'm pretty I don't know this for sure so I don't want to I don't want to put this out there I wouldn't want to give someone a good reputation if they have a bad one but isn't Nadal got like a really good reputation for being like a good guy like he doesn't have any of these diva qualities I think I could be wrong about that but I don't know I don't know tennis like well he's enough. he's like he's pretty good he's like one of the top as well so, yeah and he doesn't go around limping crying on the court <laughs> like mm, poor me I think I could I mean I don't really know yeah this is the thing. I the sport world is beyond me, but I've told you this before, Don. I love sports movies. I even watched one last night. Sports. That's right. You do love sports I love movies. Sports films. Yeah. That's so so strange. Clint Eastwood was in a um, a sports a sports movie recently about baseball, and he he's, was. Yeah. He he's a uh, um, he was a, a baseball scout. And and I sat there and I watched it last night. Good drama. Was it good? Yeah, it was all right. Yeah. yeah, it was all right. You know. I mean, the best baseball movie is Major League with Bull Durham as that's what, number two. That's what Bruce said to me. He comes down. He's like, "What's this? You should watch Major League instead." Yep. Which he's I haven't seen. A hundred percent accurate on that. Um. So yeah, there you go. So I can watch uh, uh, a a movie about sport. You know the dramas. But that's what the sports highs, is all about. Lows. This game I got up for two in the morning was there was it was back and forth. It was high scoring. It was fun. It was you didn't know who was gonna win. It was there was drama, real drama. It's like the best reality show. Yeah, but sport goes for in real life. Sport goes for a long time. In a movie, I know I can ninety minutes. Yeah, ninety and you're minutes. Done. You know, I, I can be done, and I never have to revisit it. That's fair. But I mean. We haven't gone to any Swiss sporting events. We don't even really know the true, you know, quality of Swiss sporting events. Some of those weird, like, weird ones where they're like... Yeah, they got the schwingen and the yeah. schwunken and the schwuken <laughs> and all sorts of S-sounding name things where they're half naked and throw each other around or something. Yeah. Hey, you got something to pass the time in the Alps. There you go. Yeah. Well, that's, I think uh, I think I've bored you enough with sports talk. I think we'll yeah, I managed we'll to, move along. to turn it into, you did, yeah. into what I enjoy about that's sport. That's okay. But before we move on to our guest, let's talk about um, our sponsor, Run With Costanza. She's got a workshop coming up. She does, yeah. It is November 25th. It's a small group workshop. And uh, as we said, as you heard early in the show, I mean, she teaches you if you're not a runner and you don't think you're a runner, you got to run with Costanza because she will show you and teach you to become a runner. She's the, the one to go to in Basel if you need to know. She is. So she's got a small group workshop November 25th from 1 until 6 in Beersfelden, which is near Basel. Uh, it it's, teaches you how to run more efficiently and with less pain and includes video analysis. So go check out runwithcostanza.com. That's runwithcostanza.com. And now let's get to our interview of Birgit Hillsbos. And now joining us is Birgit Hillsbos. Did I do that correctly? Oh, perfectly. All right. Uh, that is the first time I ever did that. So, yes, uh, Birgit is joining us now. And as we mentioned, she is uh, she's from Hillsbos Dog Training. So uh, welcome to Swiss Pats. Well, thank you for having me. So we want to talk to you, obviously, about about the dog training because 
I've been here two years, I think Susie four. Yeah. And I think I could count on one hand the amount of times I've heard a dog bark. Mm-hmm. So I'm putting that all on you. I think you, this is all your work. So you do a, you do a heck of a job. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so before we get kind of get into to what you do, um, so tell us you 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 were originally from Switzerland, but kind of tell us how your uh, your background of of what led you to uh, to where you're at now. Well, yeah. So I'm actually Swiss, and uh, but I grew up in Germany, and I lived in Canada. And when we returned to Switzerland, I decided I want to keep in touch with native speakers and my passion is training dogs so the obvious was that I um, give dog training in English for the expats in Switzerland. Okay now where did this love of dogs begin? Can you think back to a certain time where it was it it started for you or did it kind of build over the years? Well, it of course started when I was a, a little child, um, but um, it, it grew intensively, let's say, in the 90s, and um, then um, I started with this uh, ongoing training uh, with the Swiss Kennel Club, with other dog trainers, with ethologists, so really about the behavior of dogs, and uh, that's how I got into it. So uh, the one thing about about here is you mentioned the, the training of dogs and these these uh, these courses that, that you need to go through if you're going to own a dog. I mean, they take it they do take it very seriously here in this country, don't they? Uh, absolutely, and that's unfortunately because there was a, a, a bad incident a few years back. I believe it was in two thousand and three where. Uh, Little boy was mauled by, uh, I believe it was three dogs, and after this incident, the the law was changed, and that's when all the dog classes were invented. Really? So, it, I mean, I guess kind of that's not that long ago. I mean, 2003, that, mm-hmm. that's not that long ago. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, but, so, people always want to have a canine good citizen in Switzerland. Um but it was paid more attention to are they really under control? So do they come when called? Uh, don't they excessively bark? Like in Switzerland, excessively starts at ten minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, all this this uh, kind of things, and then um, of course the dog is not supposed to jump up on on children or on other people, or uh, should not run towards other dogs without permission, and all this stuff. And that's something that we cover in, in the courses, yeah. So this is this is something that I really appreciate about this country. I mean, it, of the list of many things I do love about living here. Now, myself, I'm not much of a dog person, um, but I do have two little kids who every time they see a dog, they get excited. And, you know, when I'm in the States, I, I'm, I'm really concerned about that because I don't I don't trust that dog owner in the States that they've done the proper things to train mm-hmm. their dog when my kid comes, oh, dog, I want to pet him, and, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seems like here, and because of that unfortunate innocent, in, incident, though, they're, they're, but people like you, that there is that, uh, that sense here in Switzerland of let's get these dogs trained, train them properly so things are just safer in general. I, I, that's something I do appreciate. So, Birgit, um, I 
when I first came to Switzerland, my plan was to get a puppy. Um, I had uh, planned to get one when I was in England and then we moved. And so I was looking uh, into it and realized that it is, you know, it's not an easy thing to do here. Mm-hmm. So can you talk us through like what does somebody who doesn't yet have a dog or a puppy need to know if they live in Switzerland or if they're coming to Switzerland and they want to have a puppy you know what are those things that that are different um to to places like America UK where you can just kind of go and get a dog from kind of anywhere uh as opposed to here where there's a lot of um kind of hoops to jump through yeah, yeah. So uh, before I get to the hoops, um, let me just say something in general. Please really make sure are you a dog person. Um, do all the things, do a lot of reading. Do you want a big dog, a tiny dog? Do you want a male or a female? Do you want a puppy or a grown dog? These are things that you need to know. Is there is nobody um, in the family who has allergies, or is really every family member okay with having a dog? Um, I, for example, uh, met a few people where the the parents wanted the dog, and and the children are afraid of the dog. That that's really not a good thing. Or where the children wanted the dog, and then the parents said okay, and in the end, nobody took care for the dog. So really, these these general main things to think about is um, are we really dog people? Are we willing to go out uh, no matter if, if sun or rain, no matter if it is cold or hot? Um, can we take the dog with us um, when we are going to vacation? Or where do we put the dog when we want to go with the, with the plane, for example? Uh, these are the general questions you have to ask yourself here. Then the hoops from Switzerland um, are, for example, when you live in the canton of Zurich and you want to have a dog which will be um, bigger than 16 kilos or 40 centimeters, then you have these mandatory classes, which is a puppy class and a so-called Junghundekurs. Um, and you need to do these classes in a, in a special time frame. You need to visit these classes. Um, if you are coming, for example, from the US or from whatever country, um, and you bring a dog, and the dog is also of this bigger size, then you still have to do the classes over here. Um, but that's only valid for the canton of Zurich and not for any, um, any other canton. So you mentioned uh, the people who are coming here with dogs. Uh, it's so it's by Canton. But what, from your professional point of view, what do you recommend uh, to those who are coming over here uh, to live and they have dogs or a dog? Uh, what, what's your recommendations? I would always recommend to do a few lessons. Um, I always say to my clients, listen to your guts. If you have the feeling I'm not the right trainer for you, please go ahead and search for another one. Lucky me, that never happened. <laughs> but uh, um, really, it is so important because I I see myself as a kind of an interpreter. I see the dog's behavior and can tell the dog owner what the dog is actually doing right now, which a new dog owner or a dog owner that wasn't used to be around and about with the dog in the public um, didn't have the chance to, to realize and um, so therefore I always recommend doing classes um, it 
if you have a tiny breed, it must not necessarily be a puppy class where there are uh, up to 20 puppies running around like crazy. Um, but it is more important to um, introduce them to the environment where there are bigger dogs, um, tinier dogs, where there are cars, public transportation, strollers, uh, people with crutches. Um, you know what I mean? Really um, bring them close to the to the um, environment so that they don't get afraid if there is a, a motor bicycle or whatever. Um, this is very important if you have a puppy. And um, when you come here and you realize I have really a problem because my dog is pulling on a leash or is barking whatsoever, I recommend have a couple of private sessions to have a look, fix the problem, and then you can still decide if you want to go to a class or um, if you want to stick with the private sessions or if you're good to go. So it's really about making sure that the dog um, that you own, um, you know, is a, is a kind of suitable member of society um, and, and making sure that that dog acts in a way that that is considered um you know the the best way to act when they're out in public would you agree with that absolutely i mean in switzerland you can take your dog everywhere aside from grocery stores or maybe the post office so for example when you go to a restaurant you are allowed to bring your dog and when you have a dog that is nicely um, lying underneath the table, not moving, not giving a noise, and very important, not stinky. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, then, yeah, why not? But if you have a dog there that's a nuisance and that's disturbing the waiters and the other guests, no, don't bring him. First train him. That also applies to children, by the way. Yeah. Just, <laughs> it really does. That's why Don never goes out to restaurants. That's right. I always eat at home because I can't train them very well. Well. <laughs> yeah, do you offer a course for children? I mean, I'm sure a lot of the theories are the same. <laughs> I cannot count off that I have not this. <laughs> so what, uh, what are some of the – uh, your website is hillsboast.ch, and you offer a wide variety of different things um, from, like you mentioned uh, – uh, from those, if you're thinking about getting a dog, to if you already have one, to private sessions, can you kind of kind of run through uh, all the things that you offer? Absolutely. So, what is interesting um, for the for the experts in Switzerland is that I really cover the things um, how to um, welcome the dog in Switzerland, what's allowed, what's not allowed. Plus, um, if you are already in Switzerland for a prolonged time and you decided now I want to get a puppy, then we go through this. I, I show you what's important in your apartment or in your house, um, how to make uh, it a dog safe, um, what is important to think about, how to choose a, a good breeder or how to choose a um, the the uh, a rescue dog. Um, and then after that, um, I cover, of course, all the all the classes. Yeah. So, uh, Birgit, I I'm assuming you have a few dogs yourself. Oh yes. <laughs> tell us about uh, tell us about your pets. Well, um, approximately twenty years ago, I fell in love with the Swiss Shepherd. The Swiss Shepherd is uh, pure white. Um, it has the confirmation of a, let's say, Belgian Shepherd to German Shepherd. So some are a little bit tinier than the others. 
um, they are mostly, and, and this is really important again, um, I have my third Swiss Shepherd right now and all three were different. So they have kind of the, the basis where they are all equal, but, but then they have their individual characteristics and that counts for every breed or for every mixed breed. Um, they have their own characteristics. So um, I first had a male, which was the best dog ever. <laughs> the favorite um, child. <laughs> the favorite child. Yeah. Um, and then I had a female, and she was such a stubborn lady. <laughs> I really, really had to work hard with her and stay consistent, and that's so important, consistency and love. Uh, I needed to, to train a dog. And um, my third one now, um, she's the um, detection dog. And she's kind of um, a little bit from the first dog, a little bit less of the second dog, and then the rest a new dog. So <laughs> A little bit of a mix of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so they're really attentive and uh, they guard. Um, and I believe in the worst case, they would even even uh, protect me. Yeah. Yeah. So the Swiss Shepherds are obviously your your favorite uh, yes, breed. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think yeah. that's so important what you said. You know, it's it's a little. I mean, we can go back there. It's a little like children. Um, every dog is different, and I think that's important if you are going to become a dog owner for the first time. That just because you read about a certain breed and, and what it offers, it, you still aren't going to know its personality until you get to know that uh, dog as a part of your family. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So what about cats? Do you like cats? <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> Asking a dog person if they're a cat yeah. person. I was just wondering if they like cats. Um, no, 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 actually, I, I would like them. Um, first thing, I'm a little bit allergic to cats and unfortunately also to horses. Um, but what I really don't like about cats is that they come into my backyard and shit in there. <laughs> <laughs> no one likes that. No, no one likes that. <laughs> if only we could train them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so the cat owners should also have these poop bags and go after their cats like we dog owners do. Exactly. Yeah. Plus, cats always look at me and they... they it, it, I get the feeling they think they're better than me, and I don't like that. So, <laughs> the one thing I, I did want to ask you real quick is: is all these um, these courses and trainings and licenses that you have to have here in Switzerland? Do you ever foresee that you, you've lived in Canada? You've lived in—I I don't know if it's like this in Germany or Canada. I mean, I know. Like I said, I don't think anything's like this really in the states. But what I do know is there's a lot of dogs that bark, and I don't trust the other owners. I mean. Is this this system they have set up here? Do you think it's applicable to other countries, um, or is it very uniquely Swiss? No, I, I think it is applicable to other countries, and I mean, um, I, I believe the U.S. They have with the AKC, the American Kennel Club. They have the um, uh, Canine Code Citizen Program. Um, I believe the lifestyle is different. Um, I mean, you have this also in, in Switzerland. You have people that go to work nine nine to five, and mm -hmm. then the dog is home alone, and and that's the worst the worst case. I mean, this should not happen. I mean, you don't have to entertain a dog twenty four seven, but a dog is a social being, and a dog wants to be with his uh, pack or family. 
And when you come home in the evening, you're totally exhausted and your dog is, she's back. Um, so he wants to do something with you and you are just tired and, and think, oh my goodness, this dog. Yeah. So I believe when we are really sure that the dog fits our lifestyle, is not home alone um, eight hours a day and and gets occupation and training and can run free then I believe also the dogs in the other countries would change yeah so it's applicable everywhere really yeah. that that philosophy mm -hmm. that that kind of theory on, on how we should look after our pets mm-hmm all right so Birgit can you uh, let everybody know how to get uh, in touch with you and learn more about the things that uh, the things that you do well, yeah, the obvious thing, you can Google <laughs> dog training in English, then you will find me. Um, then, of course, my website is dogtrainingswitzerland.com, and uh, there you will find all my information. Uh, you, I, I, I think I wrote down pretty much everything in detail, and there's also my contact information. I have a calendar in the footer where you can see uh, what's going on, and um, yeah, yeah, and you're on social media channels, and your website has oh, a yes, lovely yeah. English English section for all of us. So yeah, always forget the social media. <laughs> you gotta get the social media. In, yeah. <laughs> Birgit, all I want to do now is go down to the um, the dog rescue place and, and and hug all of the dogs down there. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> so I think I'm going to go do that now. Okay. All right. Thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. I thank you, and have a good day. There we go. Thank you, Birgit, for coming on Swiss Pats. Thank you so much. Okay, so before we wrap up things today, we have a, I have a story about life, life expectancy in Europe. And guess what? Switzerland. Guess what? We're all going to die. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Breaking news. Yeah, sorry to break it to you. I hate to be the one that tells you. Man, it got real dark. Well, if you want to hold off that inevitable uh, day, move to Switzerland because they have the highest life expectancy in Europe at 83.7 years, according to Eurostat. So the country of Switzerland is numero uno. Number one. There yeah. you go. Now, if you break it down to more like a regional level, uh, Madrid, you can expect to live until 85.2 years old, which just edges out the Swiss canton of Ticino in the Italian-speaking region at 85 years. And is it broken down into men and women? Uh, well, yeah, that's a very good question. According to the World Health Organization, Susie, Swiss life expectancy for men is 81 and for women is 85. There you go. I um, personally uh, don't want to live till I'm 85. No? <laughs> no. And that's why I'll be here in Switzerland when I'm 85 so that I can get that old, uh, you know, legal euthanasia. <laughs> Well, if you don't want to do that, why don't you move somewhere like Sudan or Ethiopia or China? Does moving to a country automatically make your life expectancy go up? I don't do you know. Think? I mean, we're, we're not scientists here. We're not, no, we're I don't not even. Life expectancy gurus. I don't even play one on TV, no. But 
I will say the amount of elderly that I do see in Switzerland is pretty impressive. But what impresses me is their independence, right? You're like, right, exactly. Yeah, they're they're hobbling along and whatever they need, but they're getting on the trams. They're going to the stores, like they're doing their thing. And yeah, they're they're definitely pushing this eighty five number. But all of the really old people. Um, like really, really old, like world record breakers seem to be in Japan. The oldest person in the world died like a month ago. Well, the oldest person in Japan or something, 117. Oh my God. Oh my Here God. Here I am moaning about 85 and this, this person lived to 117. So then, then the, the oldest person in the world is now, um, a woman called... Kane Tan- Tanaka, she's 115, and she lives in Japan as well. And then the oldest man I'm is get some sushi also for lunch. in Japan, and he is 113. Wow. So, I mean, there you go. Good on them. Although I, think, I can't imagine. I, what... I said, what I'm basically <sighs> saying, Don, is that I don't believe you. I think that your your sources are wrong. Well, all right, Trump, if you're going to call my sources fake news. Wrong. <laughs> um, I can't I can't imagine what your life is like at 100 just 110 years old, what your daily life is like. I mean, do you know what's going on? I think it depends on the person. I think if it was me, I wouldn't know what was going on. I don't know what's going on now. I'm 34. Yeah. I I, I don't even know what day it is today. <laughs> <laughs> am I up? Am I awake? Where am I, I dreaming? <laughs> what is this? What, what is going on here? Hey, but get this. The US's life expectancy is 78.5 years and Australia's is 82.9. Oh, well. Yeah, I mean, we, we're good. We're good at you know everything, including staying getting old. Yeah, but how many more people do we have? Oh, it's always that. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna play that card. But it doesn't matter how many oh, you have. Oh, it, you compare it as a whole. It it's like if you have a pie and I have a pie. We both have pies. Your pie's just bigger. Right. So that means there's more chances for my pie to have like, like rotten sw- apples. In right. It. Yeah. That causes the rest of the pie <laughs> a- not to be as good. Apples holding guns. <laughs> Yeah, my apple pie is prone to mass shootings. Yeah. And holds AR-15s. Well, this is what happens when we talk about life expectancy, death, dying, euthanasia. We end up in these weird, weird places. The places right now is I want to have some sushi for lunch with a slice of apple pie. Is that weird? It's kind of weird. I mean, that's not how I'm feeling. Okay. I I literally just want to go to bed. (laughs) Oh, I've been up since 2.15, so I'm hungry. Right. (laughs) Right, so you need to get some lunch. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, sushi's a good diet to have, I mean. Apparently. Yeah. Move to Japan, eat sushi, and live till 115. I can get one of those. If you're lucky. If I'm lucky. Those robes look really comfy that they wear, those kimono robes. Those look comfy. Right, I feel Do like. Do they wear anything underneath those? We might be getting into territory where we show our ignorance. Yeah. By talking about kimonos. Is that what it is, kimonos? It's a kimono, yeah. Okay, at least they pronounce it properly. And they're very beautiful. Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
I think that wraps up another edition of Swiss Pats. Yeah, if you got this far, thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go get some sushi, so uh, let's go. Uh, we'd like to thank Birgit uh, of Hillsbos Dog Training for coming on and talking to us about dogs. That was great. Um, and as always, you could check us out. Uh, SwissPats.com, you can leave a comment. Uh, let us know what you like, what you don't like, if we should stop talking about sushi if I should stop talking about sushi or sports or if I should just stop, stop talking in general, yeah. please leave a comment. I'm, I'm going to go to swisspads.com and leave a comment and Don needs to be quiet. She's doing that right now. Uh, or Apple podcasts. We're on player FM. If you don't have an iPhone, uh, Google play, uh, Spotify, Instagram at Swiss Pats, uh, check us out there. Uh, facebook.com slash Swiss Pats. We're going to have some giveaways coming up in the holiday season. So, that's it. For Susie, I am Don. And, and I'm Susie. Goodbye. Yummy, <laughs> <laughs>